It's time to step between the ropes. Try not to tap out. This is the Talking Into Submission Podcast. What is going on, guys? Welcome into episode two of Talking Into Submission Podcast. Once again, I'm joined by my tag team partner, John. John, what's going on, man? Man, that was, you know I definitely enjoyed that. <laughs> Being a big macho man myself. So today, <laughs> today's episode, we're going to talk all about factions and groups in the wonderful sport of professional wrestling. John, there's been about a thousand and one different um, factions and members in these factions. Um, some have gone completely longer than they should have, things of that nature. So, um, just to ramble off the top of our head, obviously, the biggest one, you know, the NWO having a thousand and one members every week, um, different things turning out, it really set up the business to um, make heels a cool thing. Yeah, it was cool, because, I mean, you, you, like you said, you have those heel factions that kind of, uh, you know, run roughshod over the company during those, those times of that, that show. I mean, we saw that, you know, like you said, with NWO. Um, and then you go kind of more modern, um, kind of in that, they even did it in the PG era, so to speak. Um, I was on that fringe between Ruthless Aggression and and, uh, and the PG era, the uh, Spirit Squad, um, you know, being backed by, by the McMahons. Usually, it, it's funny, I mean, you look back at it, some of the, some of the best... Uh, Factions were backed by the McMahons, kind of that 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 authority type. Of, well, if you don't do what I say, you know, there are going to be consequences. So that that was really cool to me. Uh, you know, growing up watching watching the shows. Absolutely. I mean, you have the authority itself being a faction within yeah. its own, and then you have yeah. the corporation. The corporation. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And then you had the corporate ministry adding into with the Undertaker and and Shane and all that. Like I said, all those. All those factions just pretty much rolled into one <laughs> until the end of that. Yeah, it was cool to see the McMahons get involved. I mean, I don't know if there's a. I mean, there. I mean, you could probably name a few, but Mister McMahon is one of the top characters in the WWE. I mean, just the way he's able to, you know, break his role as boss and kind of get on TV and, and take on this this character um, is it's it's great. I love it. Absolutely. I mean, something he, you don't see something you really don't see in other brands, especially now. Um, I mean, you did a little bit when WCW was a thing and Bischoff was there. You know, they tried to kind of emulate that, um, but it really hasn't been done since um, at a at a high level. Absolutely. I mean, he was somebody that you know turned out to be the biggest heel in the business, but he had yeah. he had his corporation and and you know it was his way or the highway. You. He went through, ran through rough shot, had big boss man go and beat everybody up. So, I mean, Stone Cold felt that firsthand. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, like, you know, factions. I change the subject a little bit. You talk about factions, and, and most of the, uh, you know, the top factions in the company throughout the years have been heel factions. Some of them also meant to be heel factions, but got over so well that, you know, fans, fans love DX. I mean, the, con- the concept of that. Um, that isn't your typical white meat baby face faction, but 
you know, the the anti-authority, uh, you know, um, group kind of fit with that time, and the fans loved it. They still love, they still want it. You know, you talk about DX. I mean, you go to a show, a live show. You know, you're seeing the cross chops and the and the X up. You're seeing that, you know, even today. And and you know, the two big members of that Triple H and Shawn Michaels both are in a in a, in a corporate job now. They're in a, a, a you know a, a talent job now. They're not they're not out you know in the ring day in and day out anymore. Right. Absolutely. And I mean. Once again, you can you can play off of Sean and Triple H. Before there was DX, there was the Click. It was more of a more of a behind the scenes kind of thing, but yeah. still a faction in its own right. Yeah, it got got a lot of trouble too. Yeah, the Madison Square Garden send off where uh, the whole group came to Miller Ring and hugged. It actually kind of hurt Triple H's career. I mean, I'm sure you guys, if you listen to this podcast, you're you're a big wrestling fan, so. You've probably seen the documentaries about about that. Yeah, it's been touched on so many times on how that that just that that hug that you know that send off for Nash and uh, and Scott Hall in the middle of the ring at, at the Garden. How that really kind of changed the the scope of Triple H's career. How he kind of got pushed back down the line. He was the one that took the brunt of that because you know at the time they're not going to punish Shawn Michaels. Right. You know, that's that's one of your top guys in the company. You're not going to. He was champion at the time. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna punish the guy who's who's newer to the company, who's the young guy. You're gonna push him back down the card. That opened thing up, things up for Austin as well. Right, exactly. We'll get into that in a later. I'm sure we'll touch on that in a later podcast. Um, yeah. Talk about Austin, but one of one of the best groups to come through the WWE doors is obviously it came in two different variations, but it is the Nation of Domination. Wow, what a very powerful, powerful, powerful group led by Farouk. And just, you talk about going in and beating people up. That's exactly what they did. Yeah, I mean, it was it was way different. Uh, it was a different kind of Farouk than you think of when you think of him when he was with Bradshaw. Um, you know, he's thinking of the APA, you know, they go out and drink, play cards. Uh, this was a different kind of Farouk, a more vicious, nasty uh, Farouk. I mean, you just think of some of the guys in that faction. You know, Farouk, you had uh, The Rock, D'Lo Brown, um, and I can see them all, but I can't I can't name names right now for whatever reason. Those are the three that really came, that came to mind first. I mean, I'm sure you're going to crucify me here shortly for not remembering everybody. Uh, but I mean, some huge names in the company uh, historically. Yeah, absolutely. Mark Henry, the Godfather. Go ahead, get me. <laughs> Godfather was known as is uh, Kama Mustafa at that point. He yeah. was the uh, the supreme or supreme fighting machine at that point. Um, and then Ahmed Johnson was in and out of that. Um, and then The Rock kind of took his place. Um, but then they, you know, set up the attack, and he uh, Rock took over for Farouk, and then they started the many battles with DX which was the Triple H version of DX at the time, you know, with the New Age Outlaws and X-Pac and stuff. And those battles between those two were unreal. Just some great stuff there. Yeah, really, those, those you know, you talk about some of the best battles between two factions. And I think that's really what kind of helped, I think, DX get that baby face feel. was because of their... Um, like I said, I mean, you think of the anti-authority, authority uh, type faction, you're not thinking white baby face. Exactly. 
when you put them up against a, a group like or a faction like the Nation of Domination, um, you kind of you kind of have to uh, fit into that uh, that uh, maybe a, a tweener type type role, but more so babyface. Right. I mean, we can go back further, and you know, you have the the Heart Foundation with Brett and Owen and Anvil and the British Bulldog and Brian Pillman and, and things of that, that really, once again, helped elevate Stone Cold's career with fighting with that faction and DX having their battles with them as well. Um, you go, what started the whole thing is, you know, the free birds and the Von Ericks. I mean, just, <laughs> you know, beating each other up in the, in the South. Um, but then, you know, you have, the ascension of, of the NWO and that kind of what started, you know, the cool factions again, because, you know, you had the Von Eriks, Freebirds and that stuff. And then we're missing the middle part, but I don't want to talk about them just yet, but it's, you know, the four horsemen, which is the Holy grail of factions. I mean, untouchable had all the belts at one time. I mean, led by Ric Flair, which is, I mean, that says it within itself led by Ric Flair. Yeah, you know, way before our time, um, but definitely one of the top factions, you know, to ever, to ever lace them up. I mean, and there you go, another group of, of high-level heels getting together. I mean, even if you, you kind of spin off of that, the stuff that uh, Bobby Heenan was able to do with the guys he managed and, and that. The Heenan you know, family. Faction. Yeah, the Heenan family, I mean. I mean, just some really high-level stuff, you know, early on uh, in, the, in the industry. You have also the Dangerous Alliance, Paul E. Dangerously, Mr. <laughs> Paul Heyman. With he's stunning... comeback now, he's back on TV. That's right, with stunning Steve Austin. Once again, another Stone Cold reference. Good God, that man's everywhere in history. I mean, the more we're talking about it, Stone Cold's career has benefited so much from factions. Absolutely. More so, more so going against them, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you have him, you know, him and The Rock going back and forth, you know, him versus the nation, and D'Lo taking the bump on top of Stone Cold's truck, which was absolutely awesome, throwing him <laughs> through the windshield. <laughs> there, wasn't, there wasn't a bump that D'Lo didn't like. He, he loved taking every single bump in the business. Yeah, it may have shortened his career a little bit, too, but... That's, a, that's, for, that's for another time. <laughs> but um, we, we talked about dominant factions. I mean, how could you not mention the Nexus coming in and completely just destroying John Cena and making a name for themselves and really coming out of the 2010s with something different? You know, because the business at that point was shifting and going from ruthless aggression to the PG era, and they needed something to kind of stay relevant. And that was, that, that was, that was shocking when it happened. Uh, I mean, you look at Cena was was the guy at that point. He was he was untouchable. I mean, you have this group come in. You know, Cena's so dominant at that time. You have this group come in and they just lay waste to him. Led by Wade Barrett, who's also now back in WWE programming some commentary at, on NXT. Um, Which is really good, by the way. Just, huh? Which was really good, by the way. He did a good job oh, at that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like him in that role. I'd like to see him get back in the ring, but uh, he's on battle now in that role uh, right now. We'll see if it if it ends up developing. Um, you, you know, 
mean, you just name off some of the guys that are that were part of that. Daniel Bryan, Husky Harris, <laughs> who later became known as Bray Wyatt. Uh, you know, two, two of my favorite guys in, the, in that in that faction. Old, um, old Skip Sheffield, just, Skip Sheffield, yeah. who came, who became Ryback. <laughs> I mean, just some some you know pretty big, pretty you know big mid card names. Um, and at that time, uh, and some of them, some of those guys, like I said, like I said, Daniel Bryan and, and Bray Wyatt, Ryback, they all ended up becoming champion. Uh, you know, later on down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the one thing that factions are built on is either trying to get you know, one or two of the guys, you know, over, you know, or you have a veteran in there that's trying to get back into the main fray, you know, that's a good segue into evolution. What a faction, what a way to run it. Triple H is a genius. You know, it was built around him and Flair and Flair getting back to being Ric Flair and, you know, polishing these two diamonds in the rough, and Randy Orton and Batista, my God. Like <laughs> And that was right around the time too where, you know, Randy was kinda this young, immature kid who who thought it was just it was just fun to do. I mean, there's so many documentaries on the network. Um, where they where they go in depth and talk about that. I believe there's a untold, right? Yeah, there there is an untold, yeah. It's just with um it's a very, very good uh documentary if you ever have time go back and watch it um it really explains how you know kind of how the group came together why they did you touched on it a little bit you know that was around the time you know rick flair was kind of having doubts about himself and triple h you know has to come up to him like dude you're rick freaking flair and hey, there's nothing you have to be worried about you know you're you're the guy you know so they kind of um he tries to get him out of that funk and they come up with this faction like you said, trying to polish off the younger uh, Deacon. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Dave Batista and, uh, and Randy Orton. Injury uh, report, Randy Orton. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, I, I used to love those the, uh, Randy Orton injury injury updates. Uh, in front of the crappy green screen most of the time. It was, uh, it was great. <laughs> but no, that I... They, they started that, and then, you know, both Batista and Orton both got hurt um, because, honestly, they say to this day that, you know, Bubba and Devon didn't mean to. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> things happen in the ring. I mean, you see these guys getting over and becoming top stars, and you guys have been here for a while. Eh. And Bubba's not shy about not liking him. Right. Yeah, Bubba, Bubba definitely was not shy that he, he does not, you know, him and Randy Orton have no love lost between each other at, no. at all. But, um, no, he just... Even, he even talks about it in that documentary. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. And then also, if you want a good in-depth look at Evolution, watch um, Ruthless Aggression. The It's a five-part documentary that's, series. Yeah, that's it's, what I was thinking of was the Ruthless Aggression one. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. It really shows you um, different things... And you know how how they came about and the different promos and stuff that they shot, um, really cool stuff there. Yeah, it was it was it was it was a nice because, uh, like you said, that was during the the time where we're kind of getting out of the ruthless aggression towards the tail end of ruthless aggression, kind of going into that uh, that PG era, which I completely hated, but had to be done for the times, I guess. 
Um, so it was nice to, you know, kind of have you know, those big names kind of carry you through that time. Right. You touched on, you know, groups that were supposed to be heel groups and turned out to be huge baby faces. Who could I be thinking of? How about the New Day, who was supposed yeah. to be a heel faction when they first started, and then everybody just decided to absolutely love them? Well, I mean, they were. I mean, you think of their, you look like it's their early days. People booed the crap out of them. Absolutely. Uh, everyone thought they were annoying and, you know, the things like that. And then at one point, people clicked, and I'm like, it just kind of clicked, I guess. They're like, oh, I love this. This is awesome. This is fun. You know, it's something different. You know, we don't. A lot of times we don't see this like this type, this type of faction. I mean, and when you look at it, they really kind of didn't fit the heel faction mold. Yeah, their antics were kind of everywhere, but you, you think of the bright colors, uh, you know, loud music. I mean, that's not what WWE does when they when they bring out a heel. It's, it's usually you know black trunks, black pants, black boots. That's you know, that, those are your heels. Um, these guys, you know, they got they had a little splash of color. You know, the, the pinks and the greens and the oranges, reds, you know, you know, coming out. Heck, they, what was it, recently they came out in all white stuff with uh, paint by number uh, tights on. You know, they had the, the paint by numbers on, um, which which I love, by the way. But, you know, that's just something that wasn't done with the old factions. But um, I'm glad they kind of they kind of shifted over now their uh, baby faces. Yeah, it was. I tell you what, kind of turned the corner for everybody is when they were doing a promo with The Rock, and he called him a bunch of unibitches. Yes. Yeah, a bunch of unibitches in the circle. <laughs> when they had the whole unicorn thing going on. The way they were able to to hang in that promo with him and kind of verbally jab back and forth with with The Rock, um, I think really sold me me for him. Um, because you can say what you want about Xavier Woods, but he's He's good on the mic. I mean, even look at when they had the uh, the stupid rap battle with the Usos. I mean, it, that was right around that same time. Uh, you know, that was just saying it's all right off the cuff too. I mean, Xavier, Big E, Big E's great on the mic too. Kofi as well. Um, just and it's gonna be. I'm I'm really curious to see kind of where they go with it now. Um, with you know Xavier and uh, and Kofi hurt. Out hurt, um, not on TV right now. Biggie's kind of getting this little singles push. Uh, read something the other day. He's one of the um, top four or five uh, faces on the show right now. Um, it's going to be hard for him, I, I think, to get a, a title shot at, at you know even at the Intercontinental with with Hardy holding it right now. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see you know kind of where they go with that. Maybe maybe they do turn him heel. Um, maybe this could be the end for a new day. We'll see, but, uh, I hope not because they're one of my, one of my favorites right now. Absolutely. We'll stick with heel factions here for a second. I, I, I really don't, I hope for the day that they, you know, I don't want to see them go to the main roster is the undisputed era. Like they're doing fantastic things down in, in NXT. I hate what they do to factions or tag teams or anybody when they go to the main roster, when they flourish down in NXT. Yeah. It's like, it's like they almost try to tweak them just to make them different from the developmentals. And a lot of times what's done in the developmentals is what fans, fans enjoy. I mean, 
it's just a tag team, but it's, it falls along the same lines. I mean, you look what they did with AOP. Right. Uh, you know, the Ascension. They were, AOP, they were they were the authors of pain. Right. Um, before you... they shortened it, and Paul Ellering, uh, you know, managing them. As soon as they came up to the main roster, Paul was on maybe two shows, and then that was it for them. Um, and then they just they didn't make it on their own. Uh, they need that mouthpiece. Um, those guys, I think, work better as you know the quiet, vicious types, and they have somebody else to talk to them. I think that's why they kind of worked early on with. Uh, Seth Rollins and his, uh, you know, Monday Night Messiah um, persona. I think that really worked, um, and eventually got taken off of off of TV. Now he's just with Murphy, but uh, you know, I really liked the uh, uh, the start to that with AOP. I think that really helped help them. They don't have to get on the mic. They don't have to talk. You know, you just let them go in and wreck shit. That's what they're there for. They're monsters. They yeah. don't need to talk. But um, another another big one, obviously that we we haven't touched on yet, is um, is the the, uh, the ones that are running around right now. This group that nobody knows who they are. John, you can touch on this more than I I can. You've been paying more attention to them than than I have. Yeah. So uh, retribution, which we're talking about here, um, over the past I'd say close to a month, um, this group has been. They're running around causing chaos and havoc on SmackDown and Raw. Um, they show up at any point in time and completely destroy stuff. Uh, one of the early episodes when they were featured, they completely tore apart the uh, the ring on SmackDown, took a chainsaw to the ropes, uh, chased Michael Cole and Corey Graves out of the uh, out of the performance center, which was hilarious, by the way, watching uh, Graves uh, bite going up the ramp. Um, so, I mean, that was... Um, They've been, they've been running around for a little bit now. Um, I think we're getting closer to, to unmasking. Um, I think you saw a lot of different people, different body types. You can tell they were different people. Um, each of the few times we saw them first, um, now you're starting to see the same kind of people um, show up, the same body types show up. You know, it's hard to tell it's the same person. It's the mask. You can kind of just tell by the numbers and the, and the build of these people. They're starting to get more consistency. I think an unmasking is coming soon. Um, and there are so many rumors out there about who these guys are, who's going to be involved. Um, I've seen names from Dominic Dajakovic all the way up to John Cena being the leader of this faction. Um, I don't know if I'd necessarily buy the Cena um, that Cena's leading the faction, although with the pandemic and COVID-19, a lot of Hollywood and, and the movies and stuff like that is shut down. They're not recording. They're not taping. Um, maybe this is him. He's kind of in the wall right now because of all that. Maybe he does come back. It's some TV time. Kind of, you know, we talked about it. Nexus. They when they came in, they took out the top guy, John Cena. Um, what kind of more shocking thing than have the guy that was the victim of that? Kind of take on that same role and be this, uh, you know, crazy uh, anti-authority. We're going to do what we want when we want type of type of group to take over. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense. I mean, it would make sense for the storyline too. With after him losing to Bray at WrestleMania, he kind of disappeared, fell off the face of the earth. It would make sense yeah. to you know pull somebody in and you know take him back to his hard knocks days of of things like that. 
I, I think that's a pretty good thing. The only thing I didn't like about this group is the fact that WWE kind of showed their hand a little bit on it. With Nexus, they didn't because it kind of goes... Them and Nexus kind of go hand in hand because they both came in and destroyed the ring and destroyed everything. But the WWE.com released, oh, there's going to be a new faction on Raw, you know, stay tuned, do all that. Why? That was my I think, thing. I think the way they the way they did it, yeah, I, I agree with you to a point. I don't think they should have announced it. But when they when they announced it, okay, you're thinking, okay, we're gonna see this group form and take on, you know, uh, say like it was it was on Raw, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, all right, yeah. So you know, maybe okay, we're gonna see this group form. And go against the Hurt Business. There's another faction right now. Which I um, absolutely love the Hurt Business. Yeah, I yeah, like I, it. I like, I like what they're doing with them. I like uh, the so, use of them. I like them finally using Shelton Benjamin for something and Bobby Lashley. I like it all yeah. around. Yeah, me too. And, and with MVP being the, you know, the kind of the manager there, I mean, that's great. I've always liked MVP. But you think, so when they, when they, when the WWE announces, okay, we're going to have this new faction on Raw, you're thinking, okay, maybe it's going to be. Apollo, Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, they're going to go against her business. Maybe they form their own little thing, um, and they go against the her business. And it was kind of like a little swerve what they did, because they didn't they didn't necessarily say, okay, here's the new faction, let's bring them out, type of thing. This group just shows up and starts tearing this stuff up. And they, they catch fire to the Transformer, the lights are going nuts. Um, so while I agree with you, I think the way they did it, I was okay with them announcing it, because it it still caught fans off guard a little bit because it's not necessarily, I don't think, what many fans were thinking was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it just, it's still, you know me, I'm an old school kayfabe guy. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still living in the 90s, John, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, and I, think, I don't think we're going to see the identity of these guys in the very near future. Um, but I think it's going to be coming sooner rather than later. Um, you think of you know the time of year we're in right now, and it's even more so. It's even more important right now with the pandemic going on, and that's you know, in just under a week the NFL kicks off. Right. So you're going to have the WWE going against Monday Night Football every Monday night. Um, now, luckily, SmackDown won't have that problem uh, playing on Fridays. Especially with a lot of the uh, colleges not playing, they're not going to have that competition either on Friday nights. So SmackDown's kind of on their own, but but Raw they're going to they're going to get some Monday Night Football. Um, so they're going to have to pull out something big here to keep fans, whether that's you know pay per view level main main events, turning um, around and heel retribution. Um, that storyline I think that's going to help them a lot. Um, it has fans buzzing right now. I mean, he's, you can just go to Twitter, you know, they, or you know to any, you know, WWE-related hashtag, you're going to see talk about retribution. Everybody trying to guess who the uh, who the members are going to be. So I think this is kind of going to help them through that time where uh, ratings are going to be even more important. Um, because they, they Raw always struggles every year against uh, Monday Night Football. And I think with the lack of sports that we've seen um, over the past, you know, six months or so, um, Football's going to be huge when it comes back. So, you know, that could really hurt her ratings when it comes to Monday Night Raw. Absolutely. Honestly, you want the fan support. You you want to see fans tune in. 
they're starting to do that with turning Roman heel and putting him with Paul Heyman. Yes. Honestly, why not bring in the Usos? Why not bring him into the family? You know what I mean? That would be, if we could have a dream faction, that would be one of them. Yeah, and I've always been curious why they never, even when they were all babyface, why they never put those those three together. I mean, it just it just made sense. I mean, uh, okay, Roman was with with Rollins and Dean and the Shield, um, so he had his own little faction going on. But but after that, the last you know couple of years, you know, Roman's kind of been on his own. I mean, they and they teased it too because they've had the Usos come out and help him. You know, when he's been in trouble. He's come out and helped the Usos in situations. You know, they teased it. They unofficially called him the bloodline. Um, why not make it official? Why not put those three together? I think, you know, that's what, like you said, that's what fans want. They want those three together. Mm-hmm. It makes sense, you know. It could be, it, it could work as a heel faction or a baby face faction. I think, I think the heel faction would be cooler. I think it would be a lot cooler with, with Roman this uh, wreck everyone and leave. Uh, mentality, and then you have the Usos. Welcome to the Uso Penitentiary. It works. It would be cool. It'd be something different. You know what you could also do with that too. You can add in Tamina Snuka and Nia Jax into that, and broke break open a whole new can of worms there. And you could have them wrecking and running the women's division, and then have these two or these three running through the main roster. So I mean it. Yeah. Tamina's not doing anything right now, storyline wise, and Max is not Naya is kinda uh is kinda in the uh well she is in the uh women's tag team uh title picture. Uh, her and Shannon Baszler uh taking the titles away from, from Sasha and Bailey at payback. Spo- sorry, spoiler alert. If you haven't watched it yet. <laughs> uh, but if you haven't watched it yet, that's your fault. So um <laughs> but you know I can see Tamina right now, if you would do it right now. Um, since Nia is tied up, but hey, that's a great. I never even thought about that. That's a great idea. WWE, hire me, please. I've been doing this my entire <laughs> life. But um, so we we've covered a ton of different factions. Um, John, let's list our top five and let's just kind of talk a little bit. Let's not take a ton of time, but let's talk a little bit about them. Um, we can obviously talk a ton of time on number ones and stuff like that. But go ahead. Who's your uh? Who's your top five, um, starting with number five? So, my number five, we talked about them a little bit earlier. We got the Ministry of Darkness. Um, we touched on some of the uh, members here, but you, know, you had Taker, you had Paul Bear, you had Midian, you had Viscera, The Brood, Bradshaw and Farouk, and just some nasty guys. Uh, we can think back to the Attitude Era. You look at the titles they held, Taker held the... Uh, WWS title at the time. You had Midian as the uh, European champion and uh, the Acolytes, um, formerly known as the APA, also known as Bradshaw and Farouk, held uh, the tag team titles uh, while they were part of that faction. So that the Ministry of Darkness, that's my number five. That theme song for the Ministry of Darkness was unreal. It was awesome. It was Taker's, and then they just put a rift over top of it, and it was just sweet. I love this. So who do you have five, Jeff? Five, I kind of surprising, but um, I have the NWO, the New World Order. Um, I have them at number five just because um, it's it's a faction that everybody grew up with. I own you know a NWO T-shirt. 
I actually own the NWO World Heavyweight Championship that's actually behind me. Um, but it's just, once you're NWO, you're NWO for life. So um, I, I unfortunately could sit here and talk about everybody that was in the faction, but we would be here for hours and hours and hours, and we don't have that time. <laughs> but um, I let, Spoiler, I don't have them on my list strictly because, not that I don't like NWO. I like what they did. They were huge for WCW. Um, during the Attitude Era, but the fact that they had so many members, it was like everybody got a card to be a member of that club. Like, it was just, I just, eh, I'm out. I'm out on it. Uh, (laughs) To put them on my list, I'm out on them. That's funny. But yeah, I I enjoyed it. I mean, Hogan going heel was a little different. Macho was part of that group, so, you know, and then Hall and Nash being click. So I I have too many ties to the NWO not to... (laughs) Not to have them on there, but uh, who you have it for? Um, so this one's kind of modern. Um, mentioned them very, very briefly. Um, I don't know if you're going to be a huge fan that I have them on my list, uh, but it's the Shield. problem with the shield is they kept killing them bringing them back killing them bringing them back killing them bringing them back that's my only issue with them is it got watered down completely like yeah, towards the end of their towards the end of especially towards the end of you know Dean's run with, with the company they really did kind of water it down um that's why i kind of specified you know i liked what they did off the rip when they you know they'd come in from the stands and uh you know fans like that because they hadn't done that in so long where you know wrestlers would make an entrance entrance through the crowd through the universe, um, so it was different when it happened, and uh, I think that's why our fans kind of really dug it. Yeah, definitely. So my my number four, and it's kind of funny. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this group. Probably not. You weren't real big in the TNA like I was. Um, the group called Fortune, and it was Fortune Four: Bobby Roode, Cowboy James Storm, Frankie Kazarian. Christopher Daniels, and A.J. Styles. A group put together actually by Ric Flair to emulate the Four Horsemen. Um, this group ran roughshaw through TNA. 
Um, they were kind of kind of played the the heel for a little bit, and then I kind of went babyface. Um, it was really cool to watch all of them work together because they were the original TNA stars. Yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't watch much TNA back in the day. Um, for whatever reason, I've always been you know strictly uh, WWE, and you know I watched you know, a little WCW growing up, and I try to stay in tune with AEW now. Um, because they are, they are, you know, relevant. They're probably the, well, they are the, you know, the, the, the beta to WWE's alpha right now. Um, but you, you made some of those guys and, and, you know, with, with Root and Styles, I mean, those are guys that can play either role very, very well, um, as a babyface or a heel. I mean, they're, they're very, very talented and, and they work either way. Um, you know, some guys you try to turn, you know, heel or you try to turn uh, face, and it doesn't work. Um, it just it just doesn't fit them. But those guys are able to pull it off, um, and they make them a couple of the you know the the top tier guys right now. Absolutely. If if nobody is hearing me and understanding the name of Frankie Kazarian, you need to go back and look up Frankie Kazarian, and he is one of the gems that is hidden. In professional wrestling, this guy can do it all. But, um, John, who do you have at number three? All right, so number three, I'm throwing it back here. Maybe not who you think I'm going to say here, but I'm throwing it back a ways. This faction, before I give you the name, this faction span AWA, NWA, WWA, and WWF, talking about the Heenan family. You think of some of the guys that that Bobby Heenan managed over the years, and they kind of became this collective. I mean, here are some of just just to name a few, because I could go on and on and on. We're talking about the top guys in this business, uh, Hall of Famers. Uh, you look Andre the Giant, Mister Perfect, Ric Flair, Rick Rude, Harley Race. I mean, those are just a, a few, a very very you know few of, of the guys that have been in this faction um, I kind of went against my rule of everybody being involved but I think this one works so well and there's so many big names in this uh, in this faction that it really works absolutely I mean you have you have King Kong Bundy you have yes. um, Mr. Perfect right you have Mr. Perfect you have all those guys you know Andre over the years that he just he managed and they became the family. Yeah, I I actually I like that pick, John. That's that's a little wrestling nostalgia there for you. But um, <laughs> I mean, you keep talking about them. I mean, you look at the titles that they've held. They held, you know, his members have held the WWF Championship three times. Andre had it once. Ric Flair had it twice. They're uh, three-time Intercontinental Championships with Mister Perfect holding it twice and Rick Rude once. And then, you know, two different tag team champions in the Brain Busters, Arn Anderson and Tully, Tully Blanchard, and the Colossal Connection, Jeff, with Andre the Giant and Haiku. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and this, Harley Race was also king of the ring when they were, uh, when they were, you know, when he was with uh, Heenan. So, I mean, this group has a lot of history, a lot of gold. Um, so, I mean, they, they've got to be in the list of the top five factions. Absolutely. So my number three, we're not going to talk a lot on because we have talked a ton on them on here is evolution. 
Ric Flair, Randy Orton, Dave Batista, and Triple H. What a faction, what a team. Just they live the lifestyle of Ric Flair. Yeah, it was that this faction's really cool. They're on my list, I'm not gonna tell you where they are, but obviously they're in the top two here. <laughs> but we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, my number so we'll go to number two now. My number two, the Generation X. Uh, you know, you look at, at the members, uh, you know, we kind of have some carryover here from some other ones we talked about. But, you know, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, China, uh, Rick Rude, who was also part of the Heenan family. Um, you know, those are the uh, the early guys. Um, then you talk, the New Age Outlaws. You know, the, I mean, just a, a lot of talent in the, in the so much for the business during the Attitude Era, really kind of carrying that that flag, that WWE banner, um, and really got the crowd, you know, the, the WWE universe to, to really buy into the product. I mean, you talk about you know some of the some of the guys that have meant the most to the company over the years, and you could name any one of the guys and, and guys or girls if you, you know in uh, Generation X. Right. Absolutely. So my my number two, you're you're not going to be happy about this, but it is what it is. Lifetime member, card carrying member of the Bullet Club. Yeah. Another NWO in, in, in my eyes. Everybody's a member. They just, they just keep switching leaders. Yeah. But the the early expansion of the Bullet Club with Prince Devitt, who is Finn Balor, um, was awesome. I mean, they just. When a time when pro wrestling was, eh, they made it cool again. I mean, it, yeah. and they paid tribute to the NWO. They paid tribute to the Click. They all do those things. They wear black and white. They do the two sweet. That was their big thing. The Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, plenty of members to talk about. Like you said, it. Everybody's a card carrying member, um, <laughs> but the leaders of that group, you know. Prince Devitt and Finn Balor, AJ Styles, Adam Cole, just things of that nature. Those guys, hey. those guys, really paving the way for for the business. Um, go on with your next one. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to totally hate on that pick of yours. Uh, I just don't like him because, like, like I've said about NWA, everybody's a member, but the guys you just named, uh, you know, still performing at high levels. Some of them with WWE now, so you know um, they've had some some very very good talent uh, within within that that club, so to speak. Uh, my number one, Evolution. Um, we talked about them. Um, the reason you know it could for me it could have went one one and two, either way with DX and Evolution on my list. Um, the reason I have Evolution of one is just because of the the impact that that faction had on the career of every single superstar in the faction. I mean, it brought Ric Flair back to the forefront. Um, I don't want to say he was irrelevant, but it made him more relevant at that time in his, in his order, in his, you know, in the sunset of his career. Um, Triple H. I mean, did he necessarily need the faction? No, but I think, I think it did help him. Um, it helped him, you know, assert that, that dominance, um, because at the time he he was the guy, he was he was the champ for most of most of that run. Um, so I think that helped him too. It kind of it kind of solidified that that heel 
uh, mentality that he had being with those guys. And you look at Batista and Randy Orton and just what the mentorship of Triple H and Ric Flair really did for their careers moving forward. You know, it got Ric Flair, you know, out of that um, immature slump that he was in. You know, it, he was the youngest uh, champion, um, world heavyweight champion for, uh, you know, in the company at the time. So, I mean, just the impact of that group that faction had on the careers of all those, and I left out Batista, but, you know, you look at the titles Batista's held as well, and it's all because of the work they did with Evolution. I, I think that that's going to carry them in their careers, whether they're retired now or not, you know, for a long haul in that company. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the storylines that came off of that, the deep storylines, you had Batista and, um, and Triple H fighting it out at WrestleMania for for the World Heavyweight Championship, you know, with Inside Evolution and Randy Orton leaving before that and kind of, you know, the the bicker between those three. And then years later, you have the big matchup between Randy Orton and Triple H, which, you know, once again, they're referencing Evolution again. It started everything for those guys. And they're still, they're still referencing it now. I mean, how many years later, they're still referencing Evolution? Uh, you know, what was it? Last, not two WrestleManias ago, you had Batista and Triple H. And it all started with the, with uh, you know the Evolutionary Union and Batista um, bumping Ric Flair, you know, and, and attacking Ric Flair in the locker room. That's that's when that started. That's where that came out. And then you know, and then recently, uh, Randy Orton punched Ric Flair in the head. Um, as now he's coming back as the Legend Killer. So, I mean, all of these, you know, that, that group is still, you know, is still involved in the storylines today, which is which is awesome to see the longevity of, of that faction. Absolutely. And, and my number one, you touched on it, DX. I mean, it started everything for me being a huge Shawn Michaels guy. Um, I really enjoyed the DX that came in the later years. Because it was it was comedy, and they still tried to play within the Attitude Era, and it was just Trip, and it was just Sean. It was funny, and then the battles they had with Hornswoggle and going to Little People's Court and all that stuff, like it, it was it was a lot of fun to deal with. Um, we talked about we talked about earlier too. The Spirit Squad they had some uh, good battles with them as well. Absolutely, the make- they, they what they dumped a bucket of shit on the Spirit Squad and McMahon. Yep. Oh yeah, and then yeah, they painted yeah, them. Yeah. They painted them green and everything else. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that whole thing was just was just crazy. And then Dolph Ziggler of all people comes out of that faction when it was supposed to be uh, Kenny Dykstrom actually to come out of that. But um, a couple factions that we uh, we didn't touch on um, is um, is Legacy actually with Randy Orton, um, kind of a spinoff kinda of of Evolution with Ted DiBiase and Cody Rhodes. Um, really liked it. It kind of I don't know. Then they went at each other. It just it was really watered down of, of evolution type deal. Um, and then the cabinet, JBL's cabinet, which helped him, which helped him um, get the uh, the WWE championship at the time and hold it, and really helped him establish as a great heel. Yeah, I mean, going back to, to legacy, um, I think this we, when we talk about the success of evolution, I think the success of evolution and the the impact that they had on the business, I think that hurt Legacy. Because the fans, you know, watching it, it almost looked like, okay, 
they're trying to redo this. They're trying to bootleg, you know, evolution. Um, it's not the same. These guys aren't the same. And no, uh, no disrespect to the Aussie or Cody Rhodes, but <laughs> there are no Triple H, Ric Flair, Randy Orton, or Dave Batista. I mean, you know, that's that's a group that you can't redo. And I think fan, I think fans, you know, saw right through it when they when they tried to to do that. It was a cool concept. I liked I liked it. Um, I liked it more when they started breaking up and started feuding feuding between themselves. Um, I liked that a little more. But uh, you know, it's just something you can't recreate. Yeah, it, it made sense, but yeah, it just like I said, it. I don't know. <laughs> they were definitely a watered down version of of, of evolution. I agree. I agree one hundred percent. John, this was a lot of fun, man, once again to uh, to look back in time. And like I said, I was really shocked with the whole Heenan family pick. I didn't see that one coming at all, but I uh, definitely appreciate that. Um, but I uh, talked a lot about factions. I'm sure there's some that we missed, some members that we missed and everything like that. But one great thing about factions is they're coming back around. I think it's great for the business. Factions and managers, I think it needs to be fed back into the business. Some of these guys, I think, would be better would would be better off if they would be in factions or with a manager um, to kind of help them out. And a lot of good things have come out of factions. Yeah, right now, I mean, you look at the landscape of, of WWE right now. A lot of their factions are heel factions. Um, it's almost like they're they're they need some kind of babyface faction right now or some faction that kind of um, emulates like a DX where they, they might be that little tweener. Um, I, and really, I mean, the guy I think that could lead it realistically right now is Kevin Owens. Um, you know, try to get something with him going right now. I mean, I, you don't want everybody in the company involved in a faction, but I think just you have so many heel factions right now. When you look at the Hurt Business, uh, retribution coming in. Um, I'm sure I'm missing other guys, right? Other other ones right now. But you have so many heel factions right now. You need something to kind of break that up. Um, they're kind of going on raw unofficially with you know Cedric Alexander, Ricochet, Apollo Cruz. You know those guys going against the um, the the hurt business. But I don't I don't know that that type of faction would be strong enough to last um, in the WWE. Those three guys are all mid-card guys. None of them really have that, you know, that marquee name right now. You know, you could probably make, you can maybe make the argument for Ricochet. Um, but none of the three are really a headliner um, or could be pushed as a headliner right now. Um, so I don't know if that would really work. But, you know, maybe somebody like Kevin Owens, you know, step in. Maybe, you know, bring back Samoa Joe. Um fans seem to like him on commentary. I know he works better as a heel. Um, I like him better as a heel. He's got that that vicious mentality, but you you just need something to to break up the monotony of all these heel factions. Yeah, I I definitely would like to see... I mean, that's the best of times when you have a good heel faction and you have a good babyface faction to where they're going at it and you have something to look forward to, just like in the days of watching the NWO versus WCW... I mean, WCW wasn't a faction, but they were the locker room. And just to watch them go back and forth, and then the early years of them going with with the Four Horsemen and stuff, it just it it worked out tremendously for the business. And we and we touched on it too, um, with with the stuff NWO did. You know, 
you know, with, with DX, you know, they're not NWO, excuse me, the nation, you know, you know, they're, they're right. I mean, they worked because they had that big base faction to go against. Yeah. You know, you had the good versus the bad and that's always what you want to see every time day in and day out. It makes more sense. Everybody's like, Oh, I want more reality. But at the end of the day, it's good versus bad. You have to have that. And that's in, in, I know a lot of wrestling fans don't like to hear it, but that's what brings the kids into the business. Is the good versus the bad. Isn't the good overtake the bad? Um, you know, it sounds corny, but, but that's, that's how it is. And you need, you need the kids to keep the business going in the future. You need to keep bringing in the kids so you keep replenishing the, the you know, the fan pool. Um, and to do that, you know, you need that dynamic. So, I mean, and people get mad, well, this person should hold the title or this person should hold the title. Well, realistically, maybe that's not possible right now because maybe, you know, in, let's say that in, the, in the case of, um, let's think right now, Roman Reigns um, being pushed as a heel right now. Maybe you're like, well, Braun Strowman should have the title. Well, that you're not going to see that matchup more than likely because Braun Strowman's being pushed as a heel as well. They're not going to have two heels go at it usually. Right. Um, so, you know, and you need that. So, like I said, you need that good versus, like you said, you need that good versus bad um, because that is, that is the business. Absolutely. John, this has been a lot of fun, man. Um, talking about factions and stuff. Um, rolling here in the second episode. Third episode, guys, we might have a surprise for you guys. Um, trying to work, trying to work some things out. Um, if not, we'll definitely bring you another great topic. But um, trying to iron some things out might be a surprise for you guys in, in episode three. Yeah, and, and like 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 always, you know, head up our Facebook page, talking into submission. Um, if you have any any ideas for for episodes. Uh, we'd love to hear and we want to get stuff out that you guys want to hear. So any ideas for topics we can discuss um, on the show, you know, head over to our Facebook page, like, tell your friends. If if you don't like the podcast, don't, don't, don't tell your friends. Don't, don't, you don't have to tell anybody. But if you like it, tell, you know, tell your friends. You know, give the, give the page a like. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we, like the, we like the bullshit, so... You know, send us a message on there, you know, put on a, uh, put up a post and uh, some ideas that you guys would like to hear. Absolutely. Good shameless plug there, John. Good job. <laughs> had a, had a, we talked about factions. I had to pull out my Shawn Michaels and uh, Triple H, <laughs> the, old, the old DX, the old DX plug. Buy the merch. <laughs> I used to sell the merchandise, especially around Christmas by, time. And... By the way, we need to get some merch. Yeah, we're, we're a little low on merchandise. Um, <laughs> but, uh. Maybe that's the uh, the theme this year at uh, at the WrestleMania party. Every year we have a huge WrestleMania party, and uh, we kind of show up and dress up and different things. That might be the outfit this year. It might be a DX outfit. I can I can dig it. I'll tell you what. We get some talking to submission uh, uh, merchandise. I will stand outside Grandma's with with a booth and sell, and I'll start selling stuff. People coming to the party. <laughs> I tell you what. That that would be good. We we might have to get on that. We might have to get a hold of our. Uh, our friends there at uh, at Sports Your Colors and try to get some uh, get some merch going. That'd be nice. That'd be good. But guys, once again, this is this has been Talking Into Submission podcast. We will catch you next time.